What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. That is two weekends back in Bali and what an interesting week I had. I found a villa that was almost exactly what I wanted but not quite. And I went to override the fact that it had one green wall and I really just did not want one green wall in my villa, but it was the perfect location. It had a beautiful pool. It had incredible sunlight. My room with my office had a beautiful view. It had rice fields, but I really just did not want the green wall. And I said yes to moving in anyway. And then all weekend, last weekend, I sat in the discomfort of I actually really don't think I want that one green wall. And even though it's almost exactly what I want, with the one green wall, it's not what I want. And then on Monday, I go there with all of my bags. I get into the villa and I realize as I'm standing there in this room with the green wall, I don't want to be here and I don't want to stare at this green wall. This is a no to me. Getting almost what I want, but it not being exactly what I want is not what I want. So I had to move out. So just wanted to put that in the space of I am so committed to living a life led from my desire and just feeling so fucking good with all of my decisions and really reminding myself in all places, spaces and domains that I will not settle, that when I move into a villa and there is a green wall, that means that I am settling for less than what I truly desire and my living space is so important to me. I live there, I sleep there, I experience intimacy there, I work there, I create there. I need my space to be so expansive for me that I cannot look at a green wall. So I just want to put this in the space so that you too can commit to what lights you on fire and sets your soul on fire so that you can live your own unique life led from desire. But something that I'm so excited to share with you all is that my podcast manager, let me know in this past week that Raw, Real and Vulnerable was in the charts in the Ukraine and in Iceland. So I want to say a big, just super excited, so lit the fuck up, massive hello to all of my listeners over there. And also to those of you that tune in and are a part of this community every single week, I really see you and I just fucking adore the shit out of every single one of you. Thank you for being here. And if you do ever want me to cover anything, if you are craving more of a particular topic, please let me know. You know how excited I get when you message me about the podcast. There's two things that I love being, you know, words of affirmation are not usually my love language. But when you acknowledge A, my podcast and B, my writing, literally my heart skips a beat and a half. Today, I have a very special guest for you. Her name is Megan Lambert, and I actually met her in Bali. I met her and her partner at a birthday party of one of my very close friends, Jan. And when I was experiencing them and witnessing them as a couple, I just thought to myself, wow. And then I found Megan on Instagram and I thought, oh my good God, I have got to learn from her, get in her space, read her things, even though I'm not a mother yet, even though I'm not in partnership yet. She just shares so much information that hits home and lands so deeply with me. And I know because you're all on this journey with me that it will land for you too. Together, we speak about how to cultivate a relationship with receiving and feeling safe in your body to do so. We speak about allowing the pleasure of your own company to be enough, why you don't need to change yourself to invite in your feminine energy, cultivating the feminine and the masculine energetics in relationship and within yourself to keep the passion in your intimate dynamic alive. And then we really hone in on my favorite part of this conversation, which is why the masculine energy wants to make you, wants to make me, wants to make us as women so fucking happy. 
If you love this episode, please screenshot it, share it to your story, tag myself and Megan because I know we will love to connect with you. This is one hell of an episode. Strap yourself in. Let's fucking go. I am sitting here with the most beautiful woman who I had the pleasure to meet at a good friend's birthday party here in Bali in literally my first week of landing here all the way back in April. And I was able to meet Megan and her incredible husband. And I was just blown away by their relationship just at a really quick dinner table conversation. And I'm so excited to share this incredible woman with you today. Megan Lambert, welcome to Raw, Real and Vulnerable. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for hosting me. Mm, It's such a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your magic with us. So for anyone in my world who has not had the opportunity to experience you, who is Megan and what is it that you do in the world? I am an intimacy and desire expert, which means I help couples keep the spark alive. So keep that sense of like juicy, passionate love. And then I work with women on listening to their bodies and their desires and like what they're really yearning for in life and in love. I love that so much. How does someone become an intimacy and desire expert? Have you always just been amazing at it? Was it like your deepest core wound that caused you the most amount of pain? How did this become your journey and your path of delivering your own unique medicine to the world? I think I've always been fascinated by love and by relationships. Like my parents got divorced when I was really little. So I think potentially that planted the seed in me of like, well, how does one stay together for the long term? Like what is needed for a lasting relationship? So I read all kinds of books on it. When I was a teenager, I had like an advice column that people could write in about their crushes and their relationship questions. But then as I got older, I felt like I couldn't build a business from this. So I started to study strategy and business and I went into leadership consulting. And I loved that. I loved leading rooms and teaching and facilitating. But honestly, I didn't want to talk about finances and ROI and profitability. I wanted to talk about love and sex and like the deepest yearnings of our hearts. So I started in my free time branching out and I explored mindfulness and yoga and sexuality and Meanwhile, I was having my own experiences dating and I was quite an ambitious go-getter woman. And I kept attracting men that needed support or were a little lost in life, or I would jump in as the coach role Mm -hmm. and the caretaker. And I didn't understand how time and time again, I would be in these relationships where I was supporting my partner, but I didn't feel taken care of. Mm -hmm. And what I know now is I was primarily dating with very masculine energy. Because that energy I brought into my work of like go-getter and consulting, I was also bringing to dating. So I approached the hot guy at the bar and be like, hi, I'm interested, you know, and (laughs) I love that about you. (laughs) Thank you. I love it too, but I didn't know there was another way, which involved getting in touch with my feminine. So then I found a community that was all around feminine sensuality and sexuality and desire. And I studied orgasmic meditation and learned about pussy wisdom and our bodies and how to trust what we want more than what we quote should be doing. And that completely changed my life and led me on a whole path of personal growth and feminine embodiment work. Mm, I've got about 5,000 questions and I know my entire (laughs) audience after tuning into my podcast for all these months will just know right now why I so desired to have you on the show. But for anyone who doesn't really understand masculine, feminine, what does that really mean? And a lot of women in my world are feeling really 
almost shamed by the masculine feminine conversation. They'll come to me and share like, I'm so masculine or my partner will tell me I'm masculine or even in my relationship breakdown that I was sharing with you, a part of it was like, you're very masculine. And there can be a lot of like, oh, I just don't even really know any other way to be. I just feel like this is who I am. And now I'm being told that's wrong. Before I was just trying to go to the gym to have a good body and now I'm trying to be feminine too and nothing about me is enough. And it really creates this like, oh, there's really something wrong with me. So to make it digestible for my woman to really be able to understand, like I know you said that you would like see a hot guy at a bar and just walk up to him and be like, hey, you're hot, I want to date you. What does it mean to date from the masculine? Yeah. Yeah. And and I just want to say too, like, I really believe we all can be in masculine energy and feminine energy and we need both. And that's really important because I think when people first learn about masculine feminine, women think, oh, I need to be more feminine. Men think I need to be more masculine. And suddenly we're stuck in very traditional gender roles and feel ashamed if we want to explore the other energy. And that is not something my work is about. My work is about the fluidity of being able to be in both energies, depending on what the situation requires. So in my work, for example, it was great that I had great access to masculine energy. Like I was, you know, leading teams and taking charge and being really clear and decisive in my communication. In dating, I needed a different energy, but I didn't know exactly what that looked like. So your your question was, what does it look like to be masculine in dating? I think about it like in dating, there's the flower and there's the bee. So the flower is the feminine and it's there and it's luscious and it's just being itself and it's blooming and it's utterly magnetic, right? That's the feminine. The bee, meanwhile, is hunting. It's like zooming around, looking, okay, where's the flower that I can pollinate and bring the pollen from flower to flower? So the bee is on a mission, whereas the flower is being its radiant self. So that's a little analogy, I think, that you can take into dating. So what it means to date from the masculine... (laughs) is more like, okay, I'm going to go approach the guy, initiate. I'll, maybe I'll ask him out on a date. I'll lead the conversation and make sure that I have the questions to ask. Maybe I open the door for myself or even open the door for him. Uh, I'll make sure we split the bill. And none of these things are wrong, right? If it's working for you in dating, keep going. But if you're finding you don't like the men you attract, you're not satisfied by the way you're dating, or you don't feel cherished and taken care of, those might be signs that it's time to bring a new energy into your love life. And so if we did say, okay, I'm in, I'm hooked, I want to be the flower and I'm ready for this new energy, how without making ourselves wrong or bad, I notice it's kind of like a default program that's within me of like, I'll lead, oh, yeah, tell, take me here and then when the bill comes because now I'm dating, let's just split the bill. It's almost like I notice it when I say I'm inviting in softness, I'm inviting in allowing the man to lead. And then I even notice this program run where I'm like, hold on, Rebecca, we said we're not actually going to do that this time around. How could we start to edge into being more feminine in the realms of dating? I think the first one is to have compassion for ourselves when we do catch ourselves being very much in masculine mode, because at least for me and a lot of the clients I work with, that's where we feel safest. You know, it's where maybe we've been successful professionally, or in my case, my family really acknowledged me for being accomplished and clear and directive and decisive, right? Those were where I got kudos in my family. And so I feel safe in that zone. And so for a lot of women I work with, being the one in charge or controlling the situation feels safe. On the other hand, surrendering and trusting and softening feels scary. And you may just not have any examples of that in your life because we still live in a patriarchy right? That encourages both men and women to be very masculine. 
And this whole wave of feminine embodiment is new. So what do you do when you're out dating and you want to be more in your feminine? I think the first thing is to relax into your body. So literally like taking some deep breaths, softening your body, relaxing. And then it's to just enjoy yourself. Because the thing about masculine energy is it's about providing and being of service and like leaning forward. And then when you're in your feminine, you're leaning back and you're receiving. So it's like, am I enjoying the conversation? Did I wear something I feel beautiful in? Am I letting myself be delighted by where he chose to take us? And that's the key part. So it's not so much about like being feminine as a performative for him, but about tuning into your own body and your own sense of pleasure and letting that ripple out through the experience. Yeah. What would you say to any woman who is in that kind of shame spiral of like, oh, now another thing to add to my list of like, I'm not good enough before I had to be thin or go to the gym, have a six pack, eat my chicken and my broccoli and my bloody sweet potato. So I'm in shape. So that'll make me enough. And I had to be successful and get a good job. And now I've got to be feminine enough. Like this is another thing that I've got to add to my list that makes me not worthy in this world. What would you really say to that woman? Because I get it all the time. Yeah. And I resonate. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I would say is there's like, there's no rules, right? There's Mm. nothing you have to be. And so if you're feeling content with how your life is and how you're showing up, it's like, keep going. Don't become feminine just because you listen to a podcast and someone was like, it's great for women to be feminine while they're dating. It's not a good reason to access your feminine. The only reason I would think about learning to access your feminine is if you're feeling a craving for a new side of yourself. Like for me, I didn't have a lot of access, for example, to my emotions or my intuition or my sensuality. And I felt quite dry and in my head. I was like, I know there's more to me that I want to discover. And so for any woman listening, if they're feeling a craving, explore this journey for yourself, you know, for your own pleasure rather than as a route to get love. Because if it's a route to get love, it's automatically disempowering because then you're trying to twist and contort yourself to try to be someone to get love or to attract a partner rather than it being your natural state emanating out from you. Does that make sense? That's a really big distinction on your why for the journey. That's so beautiful. Can you expand a little bit more on that for us? Yeah, totally. So one of the things I see a lot with clients when they learn this is first thing is like, I need to be feminine so I can get a masculine man, right? I'm going to play the part of a feminine. So I'm going to laugh or let him pay the bill or wear a flowy dress, but it doesn't feel natural. It's not really who they want to be. It's just a strategy to get his attention or to get his love. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's almost like putting another mask on top. Mm -hmm. That's not how I teach the feminine (laughs) because for me, it's more about feeling into the parts of me that are in protective mode, you know, the part that wants to take charge or that coaches my partner. So I feel in control or pays the bill. Cause then I feel like I don't owe them anything. Right. So I just notice all these parts and notice at times the fear behind it. Like, Oh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous that I may not be worthy of love just as I am. You know, can I love these parts and soften and for myself explore how am I feeling right now? What's happening in my heart? Where in my body do I feel tight? So one of the best ways to come back to my feminine is my body, my emotions, and my desires. So checking with my body, where do I feel pleasure? Where it feels tight? What sensations do I feel? 
checking in with my heart. How am I feeling? Do I feel anxious? Do I feel giddy? Do I feel mad? And can I just like have space for all of my feelings without trying to fix or change them? And then what am I really craving right now? So if I'm out on a date, do I want to hold hands? Do I hope he kisses me? Am I not digging this and I want to go home? Mm-hmm. And really listening to desire as my anchor rather than a strategy of who I'm supposed to be. Mm. And then in those moments, do we communicate that to him? Do we share what our desires are? Or is that class as leading as well? <laughs> I think it depends on how. So can you give me an example? You're dating right now. Maybe you have a real life example. Mm, I'm dating right now. Oh, what happened? Well, my date on Friday told me that he would like me to tell him when he can kiss me because he wanted to kiss me in the cafe. And I shared with him that I don't want to be kissed in public. But then I also shared that I prefer the man to lead so that if he feels that the time is right, provided that it's not in a public setting, he will know when to lead me to do that. Okay, great. (laughs) And do you want to kiss him when you are in a private setting? We ended up kissing in a private setting and it was really nice. Yeah. Okay. And so you'd be down for it to happen again? Well, I feel like I've left that experience where it was as it was really beautiful and I've wrapped it up in a really nice little gift and left it as a nice like, oh, I'm back into dating now and I've kissed someone and we're moving on with my life. So I'm going to leave that experience where it is, but I'm open to the next person coming in that I desire to kiss. Okay, perfect. So in that spot, I don't think it's masculine at all to say either verbally or with your body language, I'd like to be kissed. Yeah. Right. Because the masculine in that moment is the one that's actually like analyzing the situation. Okay. Is this the right time? Is she ready? Am I ready? Okay. Now I'm going to lean in and do the action, Mm -hmm. but it's just helpful signals to let him know, like, I'm ready. I'm ready to be kissed. And you can do that with words. I'm ready to be kissed. Or you can just like lean close to him and lift your face towards him and then wait. Mm-hmm. Right? So you can also communicate with your body. But I don't think clear communication on what you want or how you're feeling is ever too or is rarely too masculine. And I think that's a mistake a lot of people hear when they learn about the feminine is like, okay, so to be feminine, I just need to do nothing <laughs> and wait for him to do everything. And I think it's really important for women to know, no, he needs to know how you're feeling and what you want in order to lead effectively. I think actually my bigger thing with dating for me is the bill because I know at the end of the day, if I don't want to see this man again, I will feel bad for him to pay the bill. If I'm like there at the dinner table and I know I'm like, I'm not seeing this person again, I immediately want to be like, even though I'm inviting in, letting him lead softness, masculinity, me being in my feminine, all the things. If I've got this voice that says we're never seeing this person again, I'm straight away like, let's get the bill, let's split it 50-50. Because I have also this fear, not a fear, but I don't want a man to feel used, taken advantage of, and or feel like I owe him something. So that's probably where like that real overriding control will step in. What do you think I should do in those moments? Mm. Well, how do you feel paying the bill? Does it feel good or do you kind of wish he would pay for it? I probably wish that he would pay for it. I feel for a long time I've paid the bill that or more. So I'm like in a place of like, I'm sick of taking care of everyone. Great. Okay, cool. So the first thing is rather than starting with a like, to be feminine, he always must pay. I would check in with you or with the whatever woman I'm coaching and ask, how is it feeling when he's paying or not paying? And trusting your feeling sense as your guide. Mm. So in this case, your feeling is like, I want him to pay. 
right? So then the bigger thing is, can you let the pleasure of your company be enough to deserve being taken out to dinner, Mm. right? Without having to owe him anything. Yeah. So what if it was his total joy to spend that money because he got to spend a couple hours in the pleasure of your company? Yes. Even if he never sees you again, that's a huge worthiness piece of like the time with you is worth it. I love that. How is that feeling? Yeah, it feels good. I think for me, there's definitely like a, because I hear lots of my male friends feel very used by women that take them on dates that I never want to be that person where a man at the end of it feels like, I'm like, I can sort out my own dinner. I like taking myself for my dinner. I'd prefer to really enjoy this meal. So there's still an edge there for me, but I can definitely lean into that for sure. Yeah. And I think it's also a spot where can you trust him? So what I might do in that spot is do like a little like, oh, would you like to split it? Maybe like a half-hearted thing. (laughs) And then if he says no, then be like, okay, great. Thank you so much for dinner. Yeah. Hopefully you can trust that he means it and he doesn't later feel like, oh, I feel used. Love that. Do you feel that women are part of the reason that we go into that control piece or that masculinity piece is because we have a fear of allowing ourselves to receive? Yes, a hundred percent. I think a lot of women, that's the crux of the challenge around the feminine is worthiness and struggling to receive because the masculine in all of us loves to provide, right? And to take care of our partners and wants to sweep you off your feet and delight you and take you out to dinner. But a lot of women don't feel worthy of that, aren't used to it. It feels like, oh God, if I let you take care of me, I'm going to feel like I owe you. These are all examples of ways that we block the receiving. Mm-hmm. which in blocking the receiving, we block the giving of the masculine. Yeah. Where did we learn that? Where did we learn that it's not safe to receive or it's challenging to receive or it feels like I have clients behind the screen that will share with me like anything to do with receiving, even if it's compliments, women will just break down into hyperventilating crying because it feels so hard for them to hear it and hold it. Why are we like that? Oh, well, I go back to the culture that we live in is still very patriarchal the energy of the masculine is to give and provide. And so culturally that's seen as like a really good thing for people to do, right? Like how often are you rewarded? You're so selfless. Wow. You're so generous. You give so much to people and how rarely do you hear the compliment you receive so well. It's such a pleasure to take care of you. I just love being in service to you. And we rarely hear the compliments for the reverse, but in order to give somebody has to be receiving. And then the other thing is that women culturally have not been valued. Like we have literally been taught our value is what we can give. So in this work on receiving, you're flipping it on your head and you're saying, no, I am valuable just because I am. I am valuable. Two hours with me is worth dinner just because I'm a delight to be around. That is flipping the conditioning on its head that women are not valuable just as we are that we need to earn our worth through doing, achieving, earning. And receiving is saying outright, no, there's nothing I need to do, earn, or achieve. I'm worth receiving and I'm open to receive. So I think that's why it's challenging. The other reason is it's really vulnerable. Yeah. Right? Because to receive, you have to let something touch you, Mm. to let it move you, to let it impact you. And that can be really scary, especially if you're so used to always being the one that's giving. Yeah. Are you ready to be lit the fuck up and turn the fuck on by your life? What does living a life of alignment and aliveness mean to you? Have you been longing for something more? Are you desiring to live freely, fully and expressively? 
The doors to my newly released four-week mini course, Aliveness is My Birthright, are now open. If you've been listening to any of these recent episodes and have felt called to live a more aligned life where you are unapologetically yourself, where you allow your desires to lead you, where you are activated within your courageous and vulnerable feminine expression, and you are doing the work to truly let go of what has been holding you back so that pleasure can permeate your very existence, then this experience is for you. Join me and my team for four heart-opening weeks of self-discovery whilst you commit to your unique life path of alignment and aliveness. Early bed access is now open and for my amazing Raw, Real and Vulnerable community, you get to save an additional $100 off your sign up just for being here, making this the most affordable transformation you will ever invest in. I cannot wait to go there together and plant the seeds of pleasure, desire, alignment and aliveness that I know you have been yearning for. Head to the link in the show notes to find out more. How do we start to create a relationship with receiving and feeling safe in the face of it, especially if we're desiring to receive more in intimate partnership? Do we start in the face of intimate partnership? Do we start with our friendships? Like, how do we begin to cultivate this relationship? If I'm a woman right now, it's like, I'm guarded, I'm defensive, I pay the bill, I'm always in control, it's felt really safe, but like, it's just not working for me. I desire to open my heart. I desire to allow people to pour into me. Where would she start? I would start receiving with what's already coming your way. Mm. So really noticing little moments when people are already taking care of you or providing for you and saying thank you. So, you know, maybe your barista gives you an extra scone because they have an extra. Mm. Feeling like, thank you. Wow, that's so nice. Or someone gives you a compliment. Thank you. Rather than doing, oh, thank you, but I got it on sale or thank you, but it has a hole in it or whatever you're going to say. Just saying, thank you. I feel great. And like deflect. Right. (laughs) Paying it back. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Just taking it in and saying, thank you. Mm -hmm. And starting with receiving everything that's already happening in your life builds the muscle so that when bigger things come in, like a potential partner wants to sweep you away for a weekend trip, you have the capacity to say, thank you. I'd love that. Mm. I'd also say the whole chapter on receiving in my book, it's all around the feminine and letting love in and trusting the masculine. So I'll make sure you have the link to my book too. Oh my God, please. So I know you said that you wanted to chat on polarity and I love this conversation so much. Can you share with the listeners what polarity actually is? Yeah. Polarity is nothing more or less than the spark of attraction between someone in the masculine energy and someone in the feminine energy. It's that feeling you get when you're like, who are you? You're so sexy. I just feel drawn to you, Mm -hmm. right? Or things feel electric or juicy. That's polarity. Mm -hmm. And that exists because someone is holding masculine energy, someone's holding feminine. So like two ends of a battery, there's a natural electric charge between them. And that's polarity. And we think it's accidental. Like we just say, oh, the chemistry was there or it wasn't. I actually think it's a skill that you can learn when you learn about playing with masculine and feminine energy. So if someone was in relationship or had met someone who is, because I know your Instagram is like bad boy passion with my good man husband. (laughs) I'm like, that is so hot. I love that. And I'm like, how do you do that? I mean, I know the tiniest bit of your journey you shared at the dinner where I met you that you'd had a relationship coach within months of your relationship. So you've really been working on cultivating an incredibly strong relationship from basically the get-go of you and James being 
birth to the world in each other. Yeah, we've had a coach almost our whole relationship. We've been together five years. We have a toddler, I'm pregnant, and we still have a lot of passion and spark. And I think that's because we have learned the skill and keep learning the skill of how to cultivate polarity. And so has that existed for you the entire time? Like the entire five years, you're like, oh my God, this polarity is alive within the two of us. Um, (laughs) It's existed as a possibility the entire time in our relationship. And then there's been times we have to intentionally stoke it. So for example, last week we are traveling, we have our toddler, you know, I'm pregnant. So I have waves of nausea. We've been with my family. I came to him and I was like, honey, I don't feel the spark right now. It'd been maybe a week where I was like, I don't feel that passionate polarity that I'm used to in our relationship. And he was like, you know, I I don't either because we've been busy. We haven't had as much time for intimacy. And after that conversation, then we made time for a love date, which is something we teach clients is to carve out time where you're going to practice bringing polarity in and have moments of intimacy. So we had a love date. And we consciously dropped into masculine and feminine poles. And within five minutes, I was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> There's the passion. There's the juiciness. Now I really want you. Like I felt my authentic desire, like my body responding to his. It was so hot and such a powerful reminder for me that even when it feels far away, even when we're stressed and traveling and co-parenting and working, it's only a moment away if we have the time, space, and tools to drop into polarity. So for anyone that's been in a long-term relationship that's like, mm, I don't really believe that. The honeymoon phase is over. We're best friends. The foundation of an incredible relationship is best friendship. And polarity is kind of the honeymoon period. And you're a little bit crazy. It's nice that you and your husband have it, but like, that's not the real world, Megan. I'm not saying I believe this at all, <laughs> but what would you say to a person like that? Yeah, I would say if you're happy, amazing. If this is all you want in your relationship, rock on. I'm so happy for you. But if you're feeling a craving that like, yeah, I'm content-ish, but I miss the passion or I'm starting to like feel attracted to other people or I yearn for the days when I really felt desired or I really wanted my partner, then I would just invite you to open to the possibility that it is possible. Even if you've been together years or decades, it just takes a little intention and skill to cultivate again. I really don't think we ever need to live without passion and attraction and chemistry and juiciness. I think that that is a myth that best friends is the best we can hope for. I think you can be best friends and you can be passionate lovers for life. Obviously, I'm only five years into my marriage, so let's see. We'll talk again when I'm 20 years in, but that's my theory. And so I have a lot of women in my world who are like craving desire, have this yearning and they've been with their partner for a long time. And it's kind of hit that like, oh, we're just coasting. It's not incredible. And we don't really know how to navigate this. Anything that I bring to him, he turns around and says, well, obviously what I'm doing isn't good enough. And it creates kind of more disharmony. Like she's requesting deeper intimacy, but it sounds what his reflection is, is it's a complaint. And then she's hurt because she's trying to say, no, I want more with you. And it's kind of this like roller coaster of like, we don't actually know how to create this. And then he ends up maybe doing something to try and do it right for her. And she's like, I can feel there's no desire there for him. He's just doing it to try and please me. How do we work with that kind of dynamic to maybe speak to him in a way where it activates like desire from him to actually want to explore all the cravings that we have as women. Yes. 
Oh, such a good question. Because I see that exact dance so often, right? Because whoever is the feminine in the relationship, you hold the desire and you hold the possibility for more in your partnership. Whereas the masculine holds kind of the structure and the regularity and more of the routine side of the relationship. So there is kind of this inherent tension between let's do it the way we've always done. It works. It's repeatable from the masculine and the feminine being like, but more is possible. So what I see a lot is what you said is whoever is in the feminine, often because it's so vulnerable to admit yearning for more, it will come out as a nag, a blame, or a complaint. So you might say something like, we never have sex anymore. And you haven't even taken me on a date in weeks and you used to write me love letters and you haven't. And do you even want me anymore? And so it's coming out with this kind of attack. And then what I see with the partner is then they often feel like on guard and defensive and their default in that spot will usually be some combination of, don't you remember last week I took you to lunch and it's been really busy and that's why I haven't gotten you flowers and justification, right? And defensiveness. And then she feels unseen and they're not going anywhere and it's at a stalemate. So the change can start from either pole, but if it's the feminine person listening, what I would say is when you feel that restless discontent, ask yourself, what am I actually yearning for? What am I actually yearning for? So say it's more romance. Okay. You want more romance. What would that look like? What would be amazing? Would it be going on a couple's retreat together? Would it be him taking you on a surprise date? Would it be a love letter? Right? Like what would really kind of scratch that yearning for more romance? And then I would give him an invitation or an ask. So say something like, honey, I'm really noticing I'm craving. Like, I love that we feel like teammates and I love the way we co-parent, but I'm craving romance. And I found this retreat. I really want to go on with you. And I think it will make me feel so in love. And I think it will help our relationship grow and strengthen Or if it's, do you remember in the beginning when you took me on that surprise weekend and I just felt like swept off my feet and cherished? I would love to do that again. I don't know how or where, but it would mean so much to me. I would feel so taken care of, right? So a clear desire and then an impact on you and let go of the how. So don't lead. Don't be like, okay, I looked up a place. You could take me to Croatia. Here's a place on the beach. No, that's taking over the leadership, right? So just the desire. I want to be taken away for the weekend and the impact. Mm -hmm. And then see what he says. And know that often the masculine partner will have a knee-jerk no. So this knee-jerk no is his brain, when you say this, will automatically go to all the logistics. Do we have the time? Do we have the money? Do we have the childcare? Can I take that time off work? And he'll almost immediately by instinct be like, oh, we can't do it, Mm -hmm. especially if it's a big desire. So then you just have to know if he says no, or he says something like, oh yeah, we can't have time right now for a weekend, but maybe in six months, right? And feel that moment of like, oh, like disappointment, Mm -hmm. but still hold the desire. This is a huge skill in the women I work with. It's like, can you still hold the desire and just you know, come back and be like, I know you said we couldn't do it for six months, but I'm just wondering what would have to be possible for us to do this, Mm -hmm. you know, or another example is if you want to go see a therapist and he's not open to it, be like, well, what kind of therapist would you feel comfortable with? Or, you know, do you want to see one on your own or can we see one together? So not letting yourself be crushed by the knee jerk. No. No, that's amazing. I almost hear my clients' thoughts in the back of my mind. There's two parts to this. Number one is us saying as women, if he wanted to, he would. 
So why should I have to ask? Mm. Like, especially when it comes to dates, when it comes to holidays, when it comes to sex, if he wanted to, and I was enough for him, I wouldn't even have to ask what it is that I want. And it's because I'm not enough that he doesn't do the thing. What's your yes. response to that? Because that is what I hear all the time. Oh, I would say it is so tender, right? That spot is so tender. And I'll just say, I got into this spot last week, right? Because my partner and I were traveling and we usually make love every couple of days or every few days. And it had been like four or five days or almost a week, actually. And I was like, why is he not initiating making love? Like, I'm pregnant. My body's changing. Is he not as attracted to me? Does he not want me? You know, and I'm like, why is he not initiating? If he really wanted me, he would just initiate. Mm -hmm. And I had those moments of really feeling that. Then when we sat down and talked and I shared these, he's like, of course I want to be with you. I'm just so caught up in like work and childcare and do we have groceries and da, 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 that it hasn't crossed my mind that I haven't felt like I had space to think about this thing, but of course I want you. Mm-hmm. Right? And since I've shared that, he's been initiating a lot. And I think sometimes we assume that our partners can read our minds or that they know what the relationship needs. I really believe that the feminine partner is the leader in love. So she's the one that has the pulse on the relationship. She's the one that really notices like, how's our intimacy? How's our romance? How's our communication and our connection? Yeah. So she's probably going to be the first one that notices if it needs some attention and expecting him to notice and to take action is almost asking him to play both the masculine and the feminine. I love that. And then when he does do it, I can hear women then saying, now I feel guilty that he's doing the thing that I've asked because he's only doing it to make me happy, but he's not doing it because he wants to do it. And I would say, what if he's only doing it to make you happy? Are you worth having something just to make you happy? And maybe what he really wants is to make you happy. Mm. And that's the thing that makes him happy. Mm. See, a lot of women, I don't think, understand how deep the masculine drive is to make their partners happy and how fulfilling it is for them to know that what they're doing is making her happy. And then maybe that's enough. So almost by not speaking our needs and not communicating our desires, we're really robbing our masculine life partners of the opportunity to give us what they really most desire to do and provide. Yes, literally. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Literally. You're not, when you share something you want and they do it, quote, just to make you happy, you give them a feeling of usefulness, of being a successful provider, adding value to your life which is so rewarding to anyone in the masculine energy. Mm. And so you can just remember that you're giving them that gift. I love that. I know we're getting to the end. So I thought, I don't usually do this, but I thought I would rapid fire some different questions to you, Megan. I'm curious, what is your relationship like with yourself now that you are in your feminine embodiment work in comparison to the previous version of you who I've never met who hadn't yet accessed those tools? What's different? Mm. I feel way more myself. I feel like connected to the deeper parts of me. Yeah. So not just what I should do or what I'm thinking about or what my plan is, but like, how is my heart feeling and my pussy and my body and my desire? And I feel more connected to my soul. Mm. Um, that's a really deep answer. So I'll tell you as well, some surface level things. I feel juicier. I feel more like color in my world because when I'm just in masculine mode, world kind of feels like dry and like, okay, I got to get my to-do list done. And I start to feel tight, you know, tight and focused. Yeah. And when I have access to masculine and feminine, 
then there's much more dance and play and fluidity and joy in my life. Yes. What is sex and intimacy like for you now, working with feminine embodiment tools in comparison to the prior version of Megan, who was more in her masculine? How different is your experience of sex and intimacy? The sex is far more pleasurable Mm -hmm. and also far more surprising because I think when I was very much in my masculine energy, it was like, okay, A plus B, you know, you kiss, you go down on each other, you have sex. It was like, there's a certain repetitiveness to it. Yes. And being connected to my feminine and sex looks like tuning into my body moment to moment and like what emotions are coming through me, what desires are arising and letting myself be surprised by that. And so each time it feels different. It feels like, I don't know how this is going to go necessarily. And there's a lot of more passion and variety and like emotional texture to my lovemaking now than there was before. Amazing. I love that. And so for any woman listening who is like feminine embodiment, where Megan, do I even start? What would you say to her? I would say my book. Not a shameless plug, but my book's amazing. We're putting it in the show notes for sure. We're all reading it. (laughs) It's a great primer on like all the resources I've used and benefited from in my feminine embodiment journey. And then the other one I would just look at is any kind of embodiment practices. So whether she dances or self-pleasures or does some kind of like flowy yoga, can she do something to remember that her body is her home and to start to feel more of her sensations and emotions? Those are the two places I would start. Oh, amazing. I can't wait to read your book. I can't wait to put it in the show notes. And I'm excited for every woman who is listening in to receive even more of your goodness. You are so amazing. You're so beautiful. I love listening to you speak and learning from you. I always ask every guest one final question, which is, what does it mean uniquely to you to be raw, real, and vulnerable in your own life? It means to me that I say the thing that I'm feeling and thinking and sensing in real time rather than whatever I think I should say. Mm. So it means opening and exposing my emotions, my heart. It means letting myself be awkward and cringy and fumbly at Mm. times. It means letting myself really admit the things I want and to share them with people, even when they feel like so raw and vulnerable. And it means the possibility of connection. You know, I think that's the only place real connection is built from. Amazing. For everyone listening, if they want to make it into your world, I know you do retreats and all kinds of exciting things. Where can we find you? Probably the most fun place to find me is on Instagram. So I'll make sure you have my link. But I also have a website you can check out with resources and blog posts and podcasts and all kinds of things on my website as well. Amazing. Megan, thank you so much for your time today. I've truly loved this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a delight. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.